0: i I, 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 hey
1: everybody
2: welcome to chuck yates needs a job the podcast this is pretty cool as a frustrated stand-up comedian I figured since I can't beat them, I will join them. So here we are, and I'm pretty excited about this. Normally when we start off the show, it's please tell me how we met and somebody will tell a cute quaint little story, something to that effect, or they'll talk about their prestigious background since I have nothing of that with any of these folks. Let's do this. Best joke, <laughs> Brian, I'm, not, I'm gonna booger your name again. Last
3: name. It's Brian. So I'm Brian Gendron.
2: Hello. Brian Gendron. Okay. I'm I'm
3: not a one-liner comic like some of these guys. I'm going to use somebody else's joke that I adore. (laughs) Oh, good deal. Uh, Local Houston comic. One of the funniest that's doing. His name's Zod Devji. Look him Mm. up. Uh, uh, His joke is uh, I downloaded this new app on my phone to help me from uh, texting and driving. It's called Netflix. Mm. (laughs) Uh,
2: Nice. I like that. I like that. Next to me, Jamie.
0: Jamie Rowan, Rowan exactly. Right. Yes.
2: She's got an alias. <laughs> anyway, Jamie, yeah. welcome on.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I am not a comic, I'll say. I will be a comic hopefully someday. The men I'm sitting with are comics. So, um, yeah, I, I will just say I, I'm not a clown. I'm an aspiring clown.
2: Aspiring mm, yeah. clown. I like that. Rob Mungle. Yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet Although you. Well, I think we figured out we've, we'd met yeah, each other. We've before. run in the
4: cir- same circles for a number of years. Exactly. Turkish yeah. bathhouses. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Welcome yeah. on. Thank you.
2: What's the joke?
4: Oh, uh, well, I don't really. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, this is not my best joke. Okay. But it's, it's, we'll it's, build a, it. it's a joke that I like to tell when you need to do something quick. What do you call a thousand lesbians with machine guns? I don't know. Militia Etheridge. <laughs> ah. yeah, that's a pun.
2: Nice. I like I'm here that. all week.
4: <laughs> Tip the wait, staff drive home. Safe. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And on the far left, we have America's Got Talent own Andy Huggins.
1: <laughs> yes, I and I uh, just paid off my student loan. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
2: I like that. That's all so, you're getting. That's
5: yeah. it.
2: That's, that's it. it. All right. Good night, everybody. Right. We'll be back next week. No, but I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, One of the places I want to start that you guys may not know, but you guys I think will appreciate. So we'll start over here is they talked about Houston back in the day with rap, that Mm. we were the third coast. You know, we had the ghetto boys, Bun B, et cetera. Back in the early eighties, I mean, we were the third coast for comedy. I mean, Bill Hicks, Sam Kennison, sure. a lot of folks got their start here. Brett and-
1: Butler, Thea Vidal, uh, and Sean, who we've been talking about, writer mm-hmm. for Saturday Night Live. Uh,
2: hold on. We've got to do this for Tishon. Emmy award-winning. Yeah. Emmy Award award-winning,
1: uh, uh, Tishan Shannon and, uh, Cheryl Holiday, who did a lot of writing for TV, uh. Was a a comic at uh, the workshop, comedy workshop, and
4: even though it didn't start here, even further back, Bob Newhart recorded his Grammy Award winning album here. Yeah, at the yeah. Uh, the hotel escapes me now, but that was in the '60s. It was right. Yeah, it, it's right at the the the, the guy was the old Tides Tides yeah, Motel.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tides Motel. Yeah. First yeah. time he ever did stand up. Yeah, was that show? He had done a lot of bits over the radio, interviewing people, funny sketches, and everything had never done stand-up till that night. Really? Had never done. And this, I read this one time. I hope this is true. It killed, which is amazing first time. It killed, but, uh, and, and he got an encore. Well, he had just done, he, he just <laughs> yeah. went out there and did his <laughs> act. Yeah, <and laughs> just did it again. So, yeah. Yeah, it was just he do it again. Uh, he didn't have, he did all his material. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So he yeah, just yeah. Did, did. The button-down, mind of uh, Bob Newhart was uh, recorded right. here in uh
4: and uh, the 80s and the 80s had where he started you started the workshop right Com- comedy had the workshop. comedy workshop which was the first comedy club outside of LA in New York and it was the first one in the south and it was right down off uh, Shepherd Avenue Shepherd uh, Shepherd View I think yeah, yeah. San Felipe. yeah. and it's that's San where Felipe. that's yeah. right yeah and that's where Hicks and Kennisen and all those guys came yeah. out yeah. of
1: yeah
2: and and why was that? Because wasn't I mean, Kennison was a preacher out of Oklahoma, right? And, mm-hmm. and was Hicks a native-born Houstonian? Yeah, okay. It was
1: like a seventeen-year-old yeah. kid. Yeah, went to Stafford, I think. Yeah, high school.
4: But this was the only place to do it outside of New York and L.A. It was in Houston. Yeah, the I mean,
1: like Jimmy Jimmy Pineapple, he came up from Louisiana, and and Sam came down from Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it, like Rob said, it was the only. Club in the South at the time, the only certainly the only club in the Southwest. So, if you wanted to be a stand up comic,
4: yeah you went side? to l a New York or you came to Houston, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it was amazing. So
2: my mom, my dear sweet mom, how she remained so innocent and naive with four boys that are all two and a half years apart, I have no idea. But she used to let me stay out late because they wouldn't let Kennison on. <laughs> Until midnight, I mean yeah. he was just so dirty he would get up there and read the obituaries and make fun of dead people up on up mm-hmm. on stage and uh he got kicked out of the workshop for doing something and I he hung- broke
1: a, a a stool on stage yeah is that what or it could have been there was a bit he used to do also that the creative yeah, the ma- by the, director
4: yeah, the management didn't there was didn't, something like it or something yeah there
1: we the workshop had a creative director artistic director that nobody paid attention to but he took offense but sam also on another occasion broke it who knows yeah right. who it was knows? sam this might have but been he just, got te- you know what it's just time to ban sam let's yeah, just, it just, get it out of the way it's gonna happen sooner or later
2: but this was the greatest thing he hung himself on a cross yeah. out in the parking lot it's it, it was the parking
4: lot of what is now a, a convenience store next to a uh, taco bell Exactly. On yeah right no, bell was gone do what they, they tore that thing down the taco bell yeah it's gone, gone? Mm-hmm. yeah well that's where he put his cross up at that corner no and, he hung, and he hung himself on that cross and got publicity and
1: the papers he, yeah he it's, got publicity because he called him yeah he, he made sure yeah he you know, called I mean, the local
4: press and said i'm crucifying myself because i've been kicked out of the comedy club
3: for my, uh, for saying whatever, maybe it just fell down then. I mean, yeah. it just like in the last month, it recently came down. I yeah, didn't, I didn't see any construction, just Sam's influence on that. on yeah. on that on It's that cursed, that it's yeah, cursed. I'm saying. The, yeah. Exactly. So,
2: Houston kind of has this long line of generating comedy. How'd you get into it? Why Houston? Well,
3: it's exciting to know that I started and now run a show on this ancient burial ground because <laughs> I'm at Rudyard's and that's the first place that I did comedy in April of, I guess, 2020. So I'm, I'm still a baby in comedy years, you know, two and a half years. And I now run a show. We do like six to eight shows at Rudyard's a week. So we're doing 20, 25 shows a month and, uh, in, this, oh, wow. in this, this pocket where all these incredible comics came from. And it's just incredible to know the history of all that.
1: Rudyard's is a great room for comedy. It's just a great room for comedy and mm-hmm. Brian's do and his uh, partner are doing a great job of different kinds of shows but uh, it's just a tr- it's upstairs at a at a what otherwise is a bar but it's just a terrific room mm-hmm. just a terrific room
3: how many people will you get there on a Monday night so, uh, out in the audience well not a Monday so Monday' is different that's okay that's the open mic but so Saturday night we had one show we had a hundred people up there
2: in no way mm-hmm. that's yeah. cool mm-hmm. did you know the white stripes?
3: played rudyard <laughs> i would love and if, if we could i'd love to know more about that room because i say some stuff on stage and i just don't know if it's even true it i talk about the fact that hicks might have played there but i don't know that for i don't know
1: that i don't think if i had to bet money i'd say no but who knows because it was
4: it really came around as a place probably in 95
1: yeah yeah 90, bill 95. was uh yeah bill, yeah bill was long gone yeah, by then yeah mm-hmm. died in 94 but mm-hmm. um
4: yeah, back then, I mean, I, I started after him. He would he had, I didn't ever get to work the workshop.
1: Bob Newhart started after yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and I
4: came up in the Laugh Stop years when the Laugh Stop was on West Gray, which is down the street and around the corner from the old workshop. And that's, another great room. That was it's the best room ever built for comedy. It Just was designed per- perfectly. Yeah, there was a little lounge up front with a bar and a stage where they did open mic and behind that between two sets of double doors you went into the showroom and the showroom was 200 people 250 at
1: most I I wouldn't yeah. guess more but maybe maybe. That's, yeah 2
4: 285 at most but the stage was high the ceiling was low people was all got a there was a a bar at the stage people could sit in and it was just perfect and compact and it's the last resonated it great was acoustic. Great uh, uh, acoustic. I mean, just it was just built. And the best
1: hanging out bar. Yeah. lobby. The bar lobby was just great for hanging out.
4: And if people were coming for the second show, they would be 150 people in that front. You couldn't hear them. Yeah. Because the acoustics were so well done in that building. And it was the best room I had. I've, I've That's where I started. And I got spoiled instantly when you go to any other kind go, well, this is just fucking garbage. A lot I mean, of you CDs. didn't even know
1: what you're doing here. Yeah. A lot of CDs were recorded. Well, they. There.
4: One of the owners. Wired the roof with
1: microphones
4: yeah. specifically so they could record albums there. Joe Rogan recorded there. Kinnison recorded there.
3: L- Louis, uh, right? I, who, who? Louis CK. Louis CK. He did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
4: you go and go- maybe Hedberg. Hedberg did. Yeah.
2: And you go Google Laugh Stop and just for like their monthly calendar of who was there. Yeah. It's a Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah. Seinfeld played there. Tick on down the list. Yeah. little yeah. played there. Yeah. yeah. In the in
4: the eighties. late. Yeah. Early mid eighties. Yeah. It was two shows thursday two shows
1: friday two i don't sh- remember two shows oh no thursday, but, one uh, show thursday
2: yeah. two shows friday two but shows it was saturday and then a tuesday sunday. wednesday thursday a, friday yeah saturday. It was back
1: in the day when tuesday through sunday was the the normal yeah. work week for a comic yeah you would and go they slowly amputated uh a day at a time there'd be 10 12 shows a week yeah. yeah plus an open mic
4: on monday and the workshop they were so busy they had three shows On like a on a Wednesday, or I mean on a on a Saturday. Yeah, Yeah. I can't even fucking imagine that now. Three shows, and that was a great room. Also,
1: Uh, maybe sat eighty, maybe. Yeah. Oh, it was a terrific room.
4: Yeah, no, I mean there
2: were a lot of people going to see stand up comedy in in Houston back in the day. Well, you had
1: we were talking earlier Spellbinders, uh, the Comedy Showcase. Uh is that Danny uh, the Martinez? Good Humor Bar? Yeah. Danny, Danny Martinez, Martinez is the yeah, that a comedy showcase. Good humor bar. I mean, at yeah, one there point was in Harris County, five. Yeah, tips. I I bet closer to six, seven. Yeah. And you weren't gonna get rich, but they were all paying comedy uh and gigs. An, and any number of one nighter like oh, yeah.
4: knockoff bar gigs. Yeah, there
1: was a great one nighter in Galveston that was there. You remember uh yeah, the Galveston yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. And, I, I went down there to see Charlie Shannon yeah, play down it, in. Uh, I forget uh, what hotel it was there. in,
1: but the lounge was called B. Jiggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And <laughs> T. Sean had a lot of fun with that name. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: I bet so. so my Danny Martinez story is I'm at the Life stop. We're sitting down on that front row on that yeah. bar, and it's me and my then-girlfriend and another couple. And Danny Martinez starts talking to us. Oh, how long y'all been dating, all that. And he goes... All right, let's do this. Let's get married. You know, get down. So I got down on a knee. I asked asked Kim to marry me. She said yes. We got married. 48 hours later, the marriage was almost off. She's like, you didn't plan that? And I was
4: like, no, I didn't plan that. I didn't know he was going there. I mean, but I didn't really have a choice. So anyway. that, That open mic at Laugh Stop between around 1992 and 1999 was arguably one of the best in the country. And there would be people like uh, Louis, uh, Louis Black, who I got to open for, and I picked up at the airport and had to drive him around that week. He said, I came in early because people are talking about the open mic in Houston on Monday nights.
1: Oh, it was good. And Absolutely. that was in the the bar area. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't in the main room. It was the, in the bar area. We
3: had Sean Patton, terrific comic up in New mm-hmm. York now out of louisiana he said he would drive over here on mondays just to get up there and he said that mungle who's on my podcast that, was a legend i'm like our that rob <laughs> mungle that. he said everybody would be quiet and they, and he would yeah. part the seas to get up to the stage and then mungle would do his thing yeah and uh those are those nights i
2: mean, those, I mean the, they'd have 50 people in there. yeah
4: and they'd start at eight end at 130 and there'd still be 20 30 people watching the show i mean amazing. they had a they had a crowds of people on mondays would come and they'd come to the eight eight o'clock and The show just ran continuously, but they'd come at eight and then leave. You'd have a rewash the crowd with new people all
3: night. Yeah. And it was. How do we get that back?
4: That's a good. It was magic. It was lightning in a bottle. It was just that location in that part of town with a bunch of college and younger people who wanted to come hang out. And there was dollar drinks for a while. And that got out. that, That brought reprobates. But. They had cheap drinks and really good comics, and people wanted to watch what was going on. And and that was back when, you know, when I started the the old timers here, they would be in the back and you couldn't even go back there and hang out because they'd be like, No, go in there and watch the show and tell me why something sucks. Yeah. You know?
2: Oh, that's and
0: well, and you know, I think
2: part of it too, just from my point of view, and then Jamie, we're gonna rope you into this because I want to hear how you're you got into comedy but from my point of view back then if you think about it I was sitting on I was going to rice we didn't have cable TV on campus you couldn't really use mm-hmm. rabbit ears so we in effect didn't there's have nothing. TV there's no entertainment yeah which I mean, today I mean cell phone yeah I don't even know what a cell phone was right. we didn't have Netflix we we basically had two things going for us we had comedy clubs and then our friend charlie shannon we've been talking about we'd do triple movie night so we'd sneak into the movie theater and go see the six o'clock the eight o'clock and then the ten o'clock and uh and watch movies and that was it that was it so jamie how do you get into comedy
0: (laughs) Uh, well so like i said i'm brand new but i've always loved comedy and i actually started uh doing the thing that all stand-ups um, really love to shit on, which is the uh, long-form improv. And,
1: Ooh, um, oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. I know, I know.
0: I get Christ so Christ. much shit from all the comics for it. It's only because it's um, not funny. But other than that, no, it's, it's like... It, it's a very different art form. It's very hard to do and very few people make it funny. So um, who does
2: it well? Like
0: I'm, Thomas Middleditch. So if you, they do long form improv. They actually had a show on Netflix called Middleditch and Schwartz. Um, yeah. um, so the guy, Ben Schwartz is was on Parks and Rec. Yeah, he's, and he's pretty big. a And yeah. f- a few other things. But anyway, if you want to see good long form improv, it's extremely rare. Um, <laughs> so you probably won't, and you definitely won't in some small town with it. I mean, it's pretty bad, I'm not gonna lie. But um it's how I started. It does make you more confident on stage and in front of people. And um so anyway, that's how I started. I but I've always loved stand up. I'm not really a team player, <laughs> which it probably isn't good for improv either. Um so Yeah. Anyway, I was going to Rudyard's and staying until, you know, the very last comic for months and, you know, clapping and laughing loudly and trying to be supportive and to work up the bravery to do it myself. Um, So when did you do it the first time? So it was December of 2019. A bunch of people were in town for the holidays. Mm -hmm. It was actually a great time to do it because the mics were packed with people that were Home. However, I got up on stage after Joe List and Sarah Tolmosh, um, uh, who were amazing comics. And it was my first time up because they were just their home from New York. Um, it, I think Sarah has family in Houston. So, yeah. yeah. So they were performing and I had to go up after these amazing comics. But, um, yeah, I, I am actually really grateful to be doing comedy in Houston. I know New York or L.A. is where people say that you need to be, but especially starting right before COVID, you know, and things being more open here, I was actually still able to get some stage time during COVID. I'm just trying to keep my head down and get better at this thing. So um, Mm. I'm really grateful to be in Houston and Houston is super diverse. So like you'll, you get to perform in front of all kinds of crowds who like won't stroke your ego or laugh if you're not funny. So I- i think houston's an amazing city as a new comic
2: gotcha no that so i mean this is literally so a year you've been doing this year a little a little over a year oh wow yeah the so have we had gigs out of town yet Or have we only done Houston?
0: So I have performed at open mics when I've traveled or like I'm going to New York, for example, to meet with my mentor in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited and perform with her. But these are so those are like booked shows um, in New York, but they're mostly I've just done open mics. And then I am doing Prize Fest in like Shreveport, Louisiana Mm -hmm. Um Things like that, so you know g- generally just Houston showcases at the moment well, that's, that's and cooler trying than, to get better
2: that, that's cooler than saying I've played Waco so, <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. yeah, I get yeah. that
2: The thing that gets me about comedy um just get serious for for just a second is to make someone laugh, I think you really either have to hurt yourself or hurt somebody else, you know well, not I mean pa- particularly. It's not- it's not funny unless the guy actually slips and hurts himself on the banana peel, right?
1: Well, you know, if I he mean, just
2: kind of stumbles, that's
1: not really that funny. Am I off pace? No, I don't. Uh, not hurt. Yeah. The wrong word, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, somebody is. As we were talking earlier, um, somebody gets the pi- pie in the face. Every punchline, somebody gets the pie in the face. Now it doesn't have to be hurtful. I don't know what you mm. meant by hurt, but now it doesn't have to. I think by
4: hurt, it's almost like when Daffy Duck gets shot in the face. In the real life, he would be dead, but he's just his bills turned backwards and he's not really hurt, but it's funny because it's perceived as pain. And so if you're not, if you're doing something that actually doesn't cause pain and doesn't hurt somebody with your punchlines, then that's where the funny is. But didn't necessarily, somebody being "Quote unquote," hurt by it isn't funny in itself, but there is a there is someone who's a butt of the joke to be sure.
2: Yeah, it almost feels like as the audience, if you're relieved, it's not you. That's
4: almost the funny. If you Mm, yeah yeah Uh, there, but by the grace of God, sort of thing. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, but everything's different. I mean, there's you know, there's only like six jokes in the universe. Everything's everything's a variation on it. But, um, yeah, I don't know necessarily that pain is the right word or hurt is the right word. I've
2: been spending too much time doing
4: roasts, I guess. Nah. Uh, well, that's not pain. Nothing, that's, ah. that's making fun of your friends. That's what
2: roasts are, you know. Well, but, that is true. It's, it's funnier at a roast if you're laughing with the man yeah, of the hour as opposed to that's out. somebody. Who,
4: and the best ones are people who know the people very well and can Make the, like know,
2: know exactly where the line is to yeah. cross it real quick, but then come sure. back. Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
3: Zoom out a little bit, though. Pain is uh, more or less an emotion, right? So if you connect, you can connect easily with people through an emotion. You connect with your audience. And then if you can somehow relate it to the human experience, and then to me, it's about surprise. So yeah. the, fat, the shortest amount of words that you can put that together is, mm-hmm. is funny. And that, that's from interviewing 40 pro comics on our podcast. That's That's the best that I've heard it the 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 closest laughter is is to surprise
4: emotionally mm-hmm. and so if you can do that in a way because that like the slipping on the banana peel oh that's surprising but it's also funny yeah. um so yeah finding the surprise in the humor finding the way around it or the back door to something is, is where the humor is
1: i think a lot of punchlines are you're relieving tension you set up mm-hmm. a a tense situation um I have a joke. A uh, 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 young kid tried to mock me. Uh, uh, how's the joke go? Uh, <laughs> I, oh, I was in. Uh, he tried to mock me uh, by pulling down. Yeah. My uh, pants. And but the joke was on him. I was wearing the pins, <laughs> so you, you set up this yeah. tense situation where some kid is uh bullying me but then the joke relieves mm. the tension nobody's hurt yeah uh, but it's you know you set up people are leaning forward well what's going to happen and you give them and surprise is always mm. i think the yeah the the late great norm mcdonald very specifically said it's all about mm. it's got to be a surprise so um, one of the best compliments i've ever got in my life was when jimmy pineapple saw me for the first time and he said i'm pretty good at anticipating uh punch lines he said but you're you, you surprise me every time mm. so i thought well that's and, good
4: and to your point i mean it is called a punch line right and so there is somebody who's going to get hit yeah. uh but it's just a question of who and how and what direction it is and who's the victim and who's the puncher yeah and that's where you find the humor
2: yeah so brian and then i'll come to you jamie how do you write a joke and and let me set this up <laughs> let me set this up with just a little bit so you know, 35 years ago, that's when Andy and I met because um, I was at the laugh stop. I made fun of a mutual friend of ours, Charlie Shannon, who was a stand up comedian. And Charlie and then his brother T. Sean, that we were talking about earlier, kind of integrated me into the comedy scene. So anytime someone came through, you know, pick a famous person, T. Sean would say, You need to go say hi to him. So I met mm-hmm. Colin Quinn, Norm McDonald, tick on down the list, Bob Saget, go, go on down the list that T. Sean would introduce me to. And what I found really in- interesting, well, I'll throw one more thing. I've done a roast in Houston for 14 years now, and Jeff Ross has always been the MC. So I go pick Ross up at the airport. We write jokes the night before. The interesting thing I found is talking to comedians, whenever anyone says something funny, you never laugh. You go, that's a good one. Yeah. Or you go, that's a good one, mm-hmm. You know, or that's funny. It never seems like comedians laugh. And I guess that makes sense because it's your job. Right. I don't laugh when I write memos about oil and gas mm-hmm. investments. So. I, I've
3: heard if, if comedian laughs is cause they in their head wrote it better. Maybe I never laugh. That's so there you that's go. perfect. <laughs> so how do you write a joke? So <laughs> for me, uh, one of the, we've interviewed a lot of, uh, people on our podcast and one of my well, favorites, plug your podcast real quick. It, it's called it breaking called? down bits is the name of the show. Breaking down bits. Okay. And cool. uh, actually somebody who got their start in Houston and got here real quick, Matthew Broussard, another rice graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's way more handsome and way more successful than me. But, but certainly when when I show up on stage, they don't want me to win. And so he had some advice that it's like, look, in my bits, I'm going to lose, win, lose. So he sandwiches it in. So I can give you an example. Uh, my wife insisted that we had natural childbirths and the whole time just making fun of this whole process of natural childbirth through, through punches and tags and all this stuff. And at the end, she shits in my face (laughs) And, and I deserve that. And so that that's how I lose in that in the yeah. end of that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. He's got almost uh I've talked
4: to him about it and he has almost a scientific way about it. He's way better than me. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got he's got, he's a, got like 150 of
3: opener. He's got yeah, he's a scientific that's his how his brain works. Yeah. But he's he has got, the
4: mathematics of of a punchline.
3: Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But all of his openers are about are self-deprecating. And so the, I've I've mm-hmm. kind of have to follow that rhythm. In fact, when I write with friends, they'll even ask me, Patrick Eedy will be like, Brian, how do you lose in this? And <laughs> yeah. I have to rewrite to that.
4: So <laughs> Uh, You can't win. Good looking blonde boy. That's
2: right. (laughs) And then of course I
3: got kids and family, and that's just Mm a source of material. Just the kids alone feed so much of my material. I mean, is there a
2: go to the computer? monday from one to five and i'm gonna write no. jokes or stuff hits mm. you you write it down yeah i'm
3: very different i don't have that level of discipline nor when i do that do i have the output you know i hear about morning pages 30 minutes a day and people mm. can do that and they have success with that i, I might no 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 nah, andy do it. Does, but yeah. uh, for me it's about uh cardiovascular activity for 20 minutes and i get into this sort of meditative state that could be running swimming whatever it is Dude, and you're, you're not losing on that. <laughs> yeah. I get up and work out every well, day. Look, so. this isn't a joke. This is just process. And then in that process, once I hit that point, then things start coming to me. And it'll either be business ideas, stuff for the show, or it'll be creative, which will usually be comedy. And so that's where my stuff comes from. Um,
1: I read or heard an interview one time, and the guy was talking about creativity. And uh, he said the three places people are most creative driving a car. And I have a couple of friends mm-hmm. that that's true for them. Yeah. Taking a shower or walking. And for me, it's, it's walking and it's similar. uh, Mm -hmm. But you know, the deal is, um, for all you young comics out there, uh, whatever your process is, do it every day. Mm. Uh, You know, a lot of people write on stage. Uh, I sit down with a, a, a legal pad and a ballpoint pen and I grind it out, but whatever you do, uh, or, you know, exercise and get the brain long showers, I guess, or
3: the last part of it for me, and that's true, Andy, is to take whatever I came up with on my own and bring that to friends. And that's where you get the prompts. Like Mm. how do you lose? Or they'll ask you questions or see things from their point of view. And that's when the bits (laughs) really come to life.
2: Because one of the things I've noticed just doing the podcast is I have absolutely no idea how to gauge. And I'll use, instead of laughs, I'll use downloads. How many downloads I'm going to get? Mm. on a, on this podcast. I mean, the most downloaded podcast I've done was a last second, I had to have a podcast. Guy comes on and tells a tells a story, and he tells a story which a public company has 3X the trading volume the next day after the podcast get, gets released. If you ever wanna laugh, go Google Buddha Gate, because it was about the <laughs> Buddha formation mm. And this guy claims EOG has the largest, uh, onshore discovery, but they're hiding it from everyone. I mean, just massive amount of downloads, popularity, no clue. And then I'll, then I'll do something else that I'm so proud of. I think the world of, and I'll put it out Nothing. and my mom listens. to. Yeah. Me. Yeah. So yeah. Jamie, how do you know something's funny?
0: I mean, I just try to be genuinely myself, like, and write the way that I would write. I don't, I don't really write thinking about, I I write a lot for who I am. And I, I don't know, I don't write thinking is this funny. I write a lot of stuff and then I try to like make bits out of it after. But basically I'll, it's the same thing. I'll sit down at a coffee shop, try to write and then uh, go up on stage. And the way that I truly genuinely write is by bombing i write by bombing yeah. so i get up there i do it and then i am competitive i want to do well so then after i bomb i go to sleep i have fever dreams i wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> i write i bother jeremy i wake up my husband sorry i'm speaking as though everyone yeah. knows him yeah. i wake up my husband hey, he look. says
2: same, same mantras he line. says Montrose,
0: plug Montrose line um but i wake up my husband he says shut up i'm trying to sleep and then uh i I feel like I do my best writing after I haven't uh, performed as well as I should. So honestly, my best writing comes after bombing, but I write every day. But um, yeah, that's my process. I would say is my, what I, when I write the best is after I've bombed.
2: So when you've written a bit and it bombed and you go up on stage and you rewrite it in such a way that you get a lot of laughs, but you think it's stupid. Are you cool with that? I mean, is it the the actual laugh that drives you or or is it more, I have something I need to say and I'm going to say it this way? I, w- and-
0: no, I want to be funny. I want to be a comic that is giving, not taking from the audience, if that makes sense. Um. So, no, my goal is to be funny. Um. But that's a, a long process. So, like, I initially, I feel like when I got up, it was like more therapy for myself. Um, and now, you know, I'm actually trying to be funny. So I think that that's just a process. I, I'm i learning about, you know, joke formation and all the things they're talking about, building tension and then releasing tension and um, things that they probably do automatically when they write mm-hmm. now. And I'm just starting to do automatically when i write now i'm I'm trimming a lot of fat and i'm sure that when at -hmm. least when uh rob and 20 years from now it'll be great they they won't (laughs) they won't be they don't trim as much fat as i do when i'm writing jokes
4: you know the idea of you know what's funny or not and there's evidence to this and we've always didn't i talked about it but the people who are so self-deluded about what is and isn't funny are morning djs they have no fucking concept <laughs> of what's funny. And here's why. And there's evidence to back this up that you, you, when you listen, and there's not as many morning DJs now, there's a few in right. front. But back when there was a whole bunch of them, you would hear they'd have the one guy or the, the two guys and then the, the news girl and maybe one other idiot that was there. So there's four <laughs> people in the room, and they would run these stupid fucking jokes, and they're not funny, but they would laugh amongst themselves. And so they think it's funny. And there was a morning DJ here in town who's still on the air, and I won't insult him by saying his name, even though it's not his real name. Anywho, he would come to open mic on Monday nights, and we would listen to his show and go, "Oh, this guy's fucking horrible. He doesn't know what funny is." And he would show up and do his five minutes and eat shit every Monday night and say who he was, what station he worked for. There was one time he showed up with a a. a a toilet seat around his neck and so he was doing this
1: bad gallagher horseshit was and- he feeling a little flushed yeah he was <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. know a comic did today yeah I, I won't say his name you wouldn't know him anyway because it's a million years ago in los angeles but he used to come out with a toilet seat around it i'm feeling a little yeah. flushed tonight yeah
2: i wrote i wrote my application to apply to duke university they said name the greatest invention of the 20th century and I did a whole bunch of really, really bad puns about the indoor flush commode. You know, uh, to prove he wasn't a flush in the pan, he created toilet that. paper and blah blah. It was just miserable.
4: But when I you didn't get in, no, no yeah. shit. <laughs> but, but when, when, <laughs> no when shit. you hear those people who are doing it on the fly and and don't have an audience to react to it. That's the thing. If, it, if you do it and you have an audience that says it sucks, then you know it sucks. You know it sucks. If you're in a morning DJ booth with you and your other idiot and the news girl and they all have to laugh, they get this false sense of, oh, I must be funny. And so anytime you would be on the road and you go to do the promote your show, so you have to sit with these idiots and they think they're funny and they're keeping up with you and you're like, <laughs> you just want to go just die of aids well, you're just horrible well, you're just not funny
1: it's, it's not funny till the audience says it yeah funny. exactly up until then you got a sentence right yeah. and then you do the sentence in front of the audience if it and gets laughed you the can audience makes if it, it funny. doesn't get laugh you get rid of it
2: well you know howard stern always said the reason robin quivers is there is if i can make robin laugh i know i'm yeah. making america laugh mm-hmm. and uh well now yeah, he's wrong yeah, 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 you know.
4: yeah. And I'm, she I'm, laughs at everything she's
1: like yeah nah.
4: <laughs> but yeah that's what it, that always killed me
1: but that's the mentality that Rob was just talking about that's how yeah. he tells himself I'm I'm doing well I'm funny that's, mm-hmm. yeah because uh, Robin Robin laughs
4: yeah I got this other moron he's giggling at I must know yeah. something yeah
1: yeah that's the, the morning know, DJs an were the, and they you would come they would
4: come all the time yeah. and especially that one guy there was two other radio guys who would show up and they would eat shit for five minutes and just walk off and just, and they're going, man, how do y'all do this? How did like, we have an audience. You don't have an audience. You have a microphone and two other people in the room. That's why you don't know what you're doing. And, i have a
1: friend that used to hear was the criteria. If you come up with a, a, a bit or a premise, and if you can imagine a morning DJ doing it, <laughs> drop it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and kind of, there's certain kind of just obvious cliches that you know mm-hmm. every morning you know things come up with you know a, a kardashian will do something or whatever and you know every morning dj in the country mm-hmm. is doing that joke or some variation the on best it. ones don't do, it. don't do it
4: the best ones I ever did a show though stevens and pruitt were great about it back on KOL back right. in the day the best morning djs when you go to promote a show they let you they wind you up and let you go yeah they say okay what three things you want to talk about and we'll we'll guide you into that and they don't help they didn't help they just said hey okay go and, and some they, they were the best yeah
1: some djs want to compete yeah, with you a though. lot of oh them god yeah and they are like oh god just
3: kill me yeah yeah Ugh. But the idea of having an audience, uh, one of the things that's great about Rudyard's and, ro- and not just Rudyard's, but rooms that do this where the, all the house lights are down, yeah, you don't get smiles, you yeah. get <laughs>, laughs or nothing. Yeah. So you don't get the, 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 the feedback that makes you feel good that, oh, I'm mm-hmm. creating something. Hey, no, is no, this not. thing on? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, yeah, exactly. If you're bombing. Yeah, sure.
1: I know you're out there. I can hear you breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so. Steve Martin
2: in his autobiography writes, hey, back in the 70s, I was the biggest stand-up comedian on the planet. I was packing arenas, 20,000 people. He said, if you went and actually read my routine for an hour and a half, if you just read it, only about eight minutes of it was actually funny. (laughs) And he he basically said, there's a lot more to it than just words on the page. It's Mm -hmm. selling it it's putting the audience in the right the stamina of comedy
4: is two things it is writing and then it is performance some people are better at writing and can't sell it some people are better performers and not good writers the best them if you can combine those two that that that's the best of both of that that's what makes a quality act that's rare that's a yeah, rare. yeah. Now, i mean it's i mean it's not i wouldn't say rare but it's you have to have skills in both yeah um, and if you don't have it, then you can see it a mile away.
1: Yeah, I you know. tend at the moment uh, to think of comics in two different categories. Some comics are funny; they think funny, and some comics are just fun. They, mm-hmm. they have the personality and the persona; they're just fun, and the material is irrelevant. Really, they come out there with the attitude: "I'm going to have a good time. You're feel free to come along with me if uh, if you like." And that, and and the best. As Rob says, combine the two mm-hmm. and I think if if you think funny and you write good jokes and then it becomes fun uh but uh yeah it's it's either in my mind it's either personality, material or both mm-hmm. and, me, you know and that goes and they to both work. S- they both work
4: what she was saying about
1: doing the improv
4: just as a class and as an exercise, it's helpful, yeah, just so you get stuff on just getting on stage and that sort of thing and And that's where i think a lot i've known some really good writers that were just piss poor performers and great great material and they just couldn't get over the hump and it's like yeah you're just not it's not selling it's not it is a performance you have to perform
3: yeah and let me change my statement a little bit what i think is rare is having the qualities of being able to write perform and then having the business acumen to do something with it—that's really that's, that's, probably, the, rare, that's yeah. the rare one. Huge
4: that's one. yeah, Huge. that that that, that trifect. Having that is, and even there's some people who are very good at business and shitty at the other two, and they make a million dollars. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the the Dane Cook was the classic example of somebody who good-looking guy who just a garbage writer, but he was had performance skills and business, and he was one of the first people in.
1: And he had to. Fucking comment cards. Yeah, that he would uh, have Ugh, the God. audience MySpace, fill out, MySpace, and MySpace then instead followers. of going out yeah. after the show and and drinking, he'd take the cards home and enter them into his computer. And uh, he was, a, I think, an innovator. Heard the, the same the thing about Kevin Hart
0: too. Mm-hmm. After every show, would get everyone's email. Like, I mean, yeah, some people have that ability to market themselves. That I, I, I find fascinating I don't think most comics have that yeah um, a yeah. few I would
4: say
1: well I can think of two yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't. No, yeah the don't <laughs> that's
4: right <coughs>
2: but Jamie yeah. Jamie Foxx used to whenever he was announced playing a club he would sit there and make different voices up all day long and just mm-hmm. call the club, man, that guy, Jamie Foxx last night yeah. was so funny, blah, blah, blah. When you yeah. having him back, you know, and there were like seven people in the audience, yeah. so
1: 40, 40 47
2: would call yeah. and, and, uh, and do it. So yeah, no, it was, uh, it is a whole business about that. I mean, even a podcast, I sit here and go, you know, I'm making short little memes and clips about Colin, the CEO mm-hmm. of digital wildcatters being short. He's actually not short. That, but, you know, if he, were, if he were really short, then I'd just be being mean. Mm-hmm. There, about once a month, there's a tweet that comes out. Just went to Digital Wildcatter's office. By the way, Colin's not actually that short. You know, he's 5'10. But mm-hmm. you sit there and I go, I have a degree from Rice University and I'm making short memes to get mm-hmm. downloads <laughs> on podcasts. You know, well, when you say job. he's
4: not short, that's an old axiom in comedy that if you're going to write a punchline, if something is small, it has to be microscopic. If something is large, it has to be galactic. You have to hyperbole. go to the, the comedies in the extremes. Yeah. It's hyperbole. Yeah. Yeah. And so if somebody's five, look at that short fucker, you know, yeah. it's like, what is he a jockey?
1: He's like, I'm five I'm not I'm not five okay. ten. whatever. Big annoyed. Isn't funny. Being angry. Right. It's yeah. funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is where uh, the word fuck comes in handy. You, can <laughs> tell, you know, I have a joke. Mm-hmm. The punchline is, uh, uh, shut the fuck up or leave me the fuck alone. Leave me alone. Same joke, mm. but leave me alone is annoyed. Leave yeah. me the fuck alone. Now you're angry. And that's funny. Yeah. You always, always go big. Now, yeah.
2: when, when does, when does the F bomb though, become a crutch? It's never it, a crutch.
4: I mean, you can you know use it, I mean? you can use it too much. Right. And it becomes noticeable to your point. It's not shocking. Then, yeah. If you're using yeah. it too much, it, it,
1: it it's, it's bad when it becomes like a verbal tick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it, I don't know, maybe 10 times, but I always use it as an, not always, but almost always as an adverb just to give a little extra impetus to, you know, mm-hmm. like leave me the fuck alone or, uh, 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 they tell me what the temperature is. I tell them what it fucking feels like. Right. Uh, um, one yeah. time someone, I had that joke, uh, 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 I have a new summertime job with the Weather Channel. Uh, They tell me an important job with the Weather Channel. They tell me what the temperature is. I tell them what uh, it fucking feels like. Now, the first couple of times I did that joke, I didn't have fucking in there. I just Because I think it's a funny idea. They tell me what the temperature is. I tell them what it feels like. One night I threw in, I tell them what it fucking feels like. Big laugh. And before then, without fucking, it was eh, kind of maybe no laugh at all. I throw fucking in there big laugh from the audience. And I told the audience immediately, me okay, this is on you. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried it without fucking. Yeah. Didn't get a laugh. Yeah.
2: It's fucking it, on. It's Nature also, finds a way. Yeah. It's
1: your character
3: too. it's, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. I love it when Andy goes like five minutes into a set without swearing. And then he drops it. Cause it's already, it's just so heavy at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with me. Like, i I'm such a clean cut guy. If I can go longer without it, they're like, okay, this guy was the clean comic. And then I, I can turn it on him. And it's that element of surprise. Mm-hmm. It's, just it's a great word.
1: Yeah. It's the great. If you want to express anger or frustration, there's not a better fucking word <laughs> than than fucking. It just, yeah, it just it just, it just, just works. Yeah, it just works. It's it's perfect. Yeah. Now it's got an F and a K. Yeah. S- One Hard syllable. Consonants. One syllable. In and out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there there's some comics I think, and they do infinitely better than I do, and will always do infinitely. They deprive themselves of the effectiveness that mm-hmm. the word can have by doing it too much. Yeah. And then and there are a couple, it just gets to sound like a, a verbal tick. And it's almost, once you become conscious of it, it's kind of annoying. Every one of them that I have in mind are infinitely more popular mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. successful than me. But that's how I react to the word. It's a great, it's a great word.
2: Mm-hmm. It really is. Fuck, 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 kitty
0: fuck. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I love I to using work it. In. it. I, I don't think that I said it very succinctly earlier, but I think like everything that they're saying is related to that delivery aspect of being on stage too. So like, I think that people can tell when you're confident and if it's something that you don't normally use and you're not being, when I said I try to be myself, like I, I think that's the delivery portion. So if you don't normally say fuck in life, maybe don't say it, but if it's natural and Mm -hmm. you're not pandering and you're being confident and you would say that to your friends telling the story, then fucking say it. That's a great
1: point. You gotta say it like you mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps. Listen, you fuckers. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta, what was the line? I was in a play and I just figured this out doing the play, Uh, uh, but you got to say the word or the word shit, for instance, you got to say it like you went through your whole vocabulary (laughs) and you decided that this was the best word for this particular sentence. Mm -hmm. You you can't just toss it away. If you're going to say shit, say shit like you mean it. Like you went through, well, I could say stuff. I could say uh, crap. But you know what? Shit is the right word. So you got to say it like you mean it. Otherwise, it… She's right. She's right when the
4: audiences and dogs can smell fear. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, you got to sell they it. Know if you're not, if you're not. Uh,
1: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Rodney Dangerfield said, individually, an audience all may be monkeys, but you put them together, they're geniuses. Yeah, yeah. right. So uh audiences, and are- it's
4: weird how every audience will have its own personality.
1: Yeah, you know, and that can change over the
4: course of the night too. Yeah, and I've often said that it's like going going to a comedy club where the crowd gets there. It's not unlike jury duty in that you're in a room full of jury duty you're a room full of strangers but after 4 days of hearing testimony now you're working as a group <laughs> yeah. and that's the same as an audience an audience gets there okay who, what are we doing okay what I I've never been to a comedy club before what are we supposed to do there's that nervous tension and then if there's something is maybe a little blue or a little off kilter they ooh they look around right. ooh who is anyone la- oh. and the, but over the course of the evening they became they became uh, you, they become one entity
1: I was talking about this uh with someone the other day with small crowds one table can determine yeah the personality of the audience there are people mm-hmm. that sitting around, I do around there are only about 12 of us here i don't want to mm-hmm. laugh out loud even and but, but the, if one but table starts to do it we boom cover yeah 12 people is
4: great yeah you know if they're everybody's playing along yeah. back when we were talking about the laugh stop the laugh stop had a hallway and andy was the first one to point this out to me they had a hallway that went to the showroom where the waitresses would come back to the bar and it was that big hallway, and that's where the comedians would stand. And Andy said this to me years ago, and it was true then. And he goes, "If you stand in this, this spot in the I hallway, yeah, if you stand in this spot, you hear the crowd. And before the show, if you hear, okay, this is a good crowd, because just from of, the the yeah. murmuring and the speaking, and you could, and it was dead. It was no better, no better barometer than if that pre-show, hallway.
1: If the pre show chatter was uh, too low, it you got a problem.
4: You got to drag them it, up."
1: It, and if it's too high, a lot of times they'll come down, but sometimes yeah, they- they're too rowdy. But there's a level, and you develop an ear for it. There's a level of pre-show chatter. You know. Now, that's not to say you can't uh, screw things up. Yeah. Uh, and I've done that plenty <coughs> of times. I've had a nice <laughs> audience and done badly. But you it, it indicates the level of uh, anticipation. Mm-hmm. It indicates whether they're happy to be there. Uh, it, there's a certain excitement. So yeah, there was that spot, the That it was right
4: it. there. It was right there by that cashier yeah. station. Yep. And yeah, no, I remember that. Whole yeah. Thing. And yeah. and I would go back and he go,
3: oh, this garbage, fucking garbage, <laughs> fucking garbage crowd. No, this is going to
4: be.
1: Oh, you hate no chatter. Oh, yeah.
3: I love, I crowd. love that. I'm, I'm really in the depths of the science of the audience experience. And there's, mm-hmm. there's things that you can never do. Like if, if, if they all had a bad week or if Houston had a bad week or whatever, there's things you can't really do to fix that. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things when running a show that you can control like helping them get helping them arrive at the place that they got to. So helping them get to their seats, tell them where the bathrooms are, where the bar. So just those like mm-hmm. little things can really help that audience be in the seat and ready to laugh. Absolutely. The show and it
1: starts with the box office or whatever. It does. Yeah. And that's what it, I tell my absolutely door guy, it
3: starts my door with guy, I'm like, you're office. the first human interaction that they have with the show. And the parking lots and Rudyard's are trash. And so they've already, we're already back. <laughs> already we're already, already behind. <laughs> we're already behind on this thing. So make sure you're friendly and make sure you're yeah. helpful. And if somebody in our, in our, whoever, if it's not me, then whoever's running the show needs to just be in those, you know, trying to look and find those small areas to improve the audience experience. Our shows will just overall go better.
1: Absolutely. And really mm-hmm. just let me yeah. add I mean, real quickly. Sense. One thought, sometimes it's the audience fault. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> <Yeah>. sometimes, <laughs> yeah. audiences sometimes they're just garbage. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they're just pure garbage. That's yeah. True. Sometimes. Yeah. Usually in a good, like at Rudyard's, um, uh, with that audience, if you have a bad show, chances are it was probably your your fault, and you know maybe it was just the wrong thirty people for what you do. But chances are, but every once in a while, not your fault.
4: Mm-hmm. I remember of like, "What happens in a city or whatever?" Three days after nine eleven, Laugh Stop opens back up, and so we had a. Back then, they called those shows pig fucks when it was just six comics, no headliner. Everybody's just going on doing 15 minutes. And so, Babbitt says, we're going to have a pig fuck. Uh, The headliners can't come in. They're no fuck. So, it's all the local guys. It's going
1: to be Judy Tanuta that week.
4: Yeah, it was supposed to be. Yeah. And so, comes up me, Sam Damaris, three or four other guys, and he gets us all. He goes, this is the first show back, guys. We want to have it. It's going to be weird. People are actually coming. So what we're going to try to do is, I'm telling you now, don't do anything about 9-11. And I had written 10 minutes on 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go, what, what, no, what do you mean? We can't not address it. This is the first show back. We have to say something. And he's like, man, don't do any 9-11. Just do me a favor. Don't do 9-11. So they go up. Everybody does their stuff, And I'm going on second to last. And I go up. And... I'm saying to myself, fuck this. My, no, I'm going to fucking do. So I get up there and I go, hey, guys, it's been a crazy week. And I go into my 10 minutes about 9-11. And it gets big laughs. And uh, granted, I'm, I'm very talented. I don't know how to do this sort of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> but, forgiven. yeah, there, you, there's a way to do it without, you know, being insensitive <laughs> and that sort of thing. So I think I danced it pretty well. Anyway, I get off stage and uh, Sam Damaris is my friend. He goes, dude, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. It was, it was, I've never laughed that hard. And then Babbitt comes up and he was like, fucking told you no 9-11 shit. What did you, you you can't do 9-11. And Sam goes, dude, if you don't hear that fucking crowd, they wanted to laugh. They wanted to have some kind of release. And it was the best thing. He was like. Fine, whatever. You're still banned for a week. Yeah. So I was <laughs> like, yeah. Did he ban you
1: for a week? Ban me for a week. Oh, yeah.
4: Geez. Well,
2: that, Brian, that's going back to your point that it an, it's an emotional connection because everybody there was afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd all been crying and they wanted to laugh. I had a similar experience. A um, guy that worked for me for, you know, out of his 15 professional years, he worked for me for 13 years. Wound up dying of brain cancer. Mm. And before he died, though, he started a foundation to raise money for brain cancer research, and he started Stand Up for Brain Cancer. So, mm. you know, they've had Kevin Nealon in Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller, all these folks, and he asked me to MC it. <laughs> and, you know, talk about just a no-win situation, yeah. right? Um, people were texting me, calling, saying, Hey, I'm not going to go to the, the gala because James is going to be sitting down there on the front mm. road dying in front of us and Ugh. you know i'll be crying i can't laugh at kevin Nealon, so mm. i was stuck with the i've got to break the ice i've somehow mm. got to acknowledge the elephant in the room but i got to get people laughing within two minutes or we're fucked. i mean it's game yeah. over so the first year i get up there and i go hey everybody welcome to the first annual brooch gala tonight we're gonna have so much fun we've got kevin Nealon. we're all gonna laugh but before we start James and Jamie his wife James and Jamie I just want to say what you're going through is the most horrific thing I could ever imagine oh. you know there's no way you've handled this with such grace and class and dignity that you've truly been an inspiration to me and I just want you guys to know that that I pray for you every night and I get the kind of plight mm-hmm. clap thing and my my wife's name's Kim or my ex-wife's name's Kim and I said you know and I was talking to Kim and she said Chuck if this happened to you I'd have lost you to blowing hookers. And I said that, and the room was just silent. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I've killed the, the gala forever. And thank God somebody on the back row detected that mm-hmm. and five seconds just laughed as that, loud as i've ever heard and it just caused a wave it's the tension yeah, yeah. yeah. no we the, just had mm-hmm. we wound up having three waves of laughter at, at all somebody that.
3: will feel the need to break that tension yeah and if it's not mm-hmm. you it's going to be the audience yeah thank god whoever happen. that was that did
4: that literally saved the brooch gala i had a i was part of an alzheimer's fundraiser and the name of the the fundraiser was a night to remember oh, God. i shit you know, and i went out and like are we really naming the alzheimer thing a night to remember because nobody's gonna none of these people are in fact i can do the same material all night find the same yeah. joke
0: i think it's andy's point earlier about building that tension and then releasing it and then it's the same thing if there's ever an elephant in the room might mm-hmm. so the Woman who I always call my mentor, Jessica Kerson. She's an amazing uh, crowd work comic, and <laughs> so Jessica Kerson. Oh, okay. I yeah, know. I just okay. I adore her. So um, she, I I can't do this yet, but um, over the years she's become amazing at calling out any of that awkwardness in the crowd. And it's the same thing as her written material with building tension, releasing tension. It's if there's some vibe she's getting from a table that's weird or, you know, a guy in the middle of the crowd with his arms crossed, clearly not wanting to be there. You know, she'll call out that thing, but she does it. She's very adept at that now after decades of doing this. But um, yeah, I think it's that same concept Mm. in your written material as it is. That's a part of delivery and part of, you know, doing it for many, many years. But uh calling that out i think people want if something is awkward for someone to just say it or if something because Mm -hmm. then everyone's sitting there not knowing what to do or if they can laugh um i remember going to see book of mormon the musical which was very written by the south park guys and during that everyone was looking around and like did they just say fuck you god can we laugh they're all looking at each other but yeah when someone starts laughing then the rest then everyone else does too so. T-
1: tell me if you think, this just, just occurred to me, and I'll be a little self-centered here for a second, but it just occurred to me, and tell me if I'm on to something. I'm 71 years old. I look at, and I think as soon as I hit, and people don't know who I am, as soon as I hit the stage, there's a certain level of tension involved, because what's mm. this old man? What yeah. can he do? What will he do? And so with the the opening line <coughs> that I did earlier about the student loan, mm-hmm. And I've always had pretty good opening lines, and it kind of relieves it. Well, I don't know, maybe the audience doesn't get tense, but I, I they do they're get curious. Attentive.
4: Curious, yeah. They're
1: they're curious as to the what I'm going to do, and they're kind of respectful. And mm. Maybe that's a kind of a that's a kind do. of they're attention because, yeah. geez, I, you know, if I'd heckle them, and they don't we, know you, yeah, so. they can't heckle my grandfather, yeah. you know. And then I always open with a line that indicates I'm not. Going to be grandfather type humor mm-hmm. so everybody can relax so i don't know if there's anything to that i could be thinking about myself too much but you know it is no i being think 71 years old is kind of a unique uh sure. comedic situation these days there's nobody else in houston
0: i think that's true and it's across the board i think mo uh, at least my feeling is most comics even have that you know joke as their opener, a lot of them are acknowledging that they look like a mix of blah and blah, or that you know whatever yeah. it is, whatever their thing is. And for you, you it might be the age thing yeah. specifically. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: audiences as a group will do what we do as individuals. We'll make assumptions about people mm-hmm. based on the way they lick, uh, look. And if if you have a certain look that uh, might get people, what the fuck? you know the <laughs> opening joke relieve that tension. Yeah, relieves that tension.
2: Charlie Shannon, our friend, I mean, let's face it. He was a fat guy Mm -hmm. I loved Charlie to death, but I mean, he kind of, he looked like meatloaf, the singer when meatloaf was at his fattest fattest point. And he always did a great joke about getting directions to the Alamo in San Antonio. And it was always, I'm talking to the radio station. How do I get to the Alamo? And they go, well, you go down here, you take a right and it's right across from the pizza hut. And Charlie's like, oh, yeah, like I'm a big fat dude. I might miss the Alamo, but I'm going to see the red yeah. roof of the Pizza Hut. And, <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. and
2: I, always, uh, always the other great joke that Charlie would do kind of playing on his uh, look is, and he was an insult comic. He'd mm-hmm. mesh, uh, mix it up with the audience and stuff he'd always close with. And I'm available for weddings. And he'd got a pretty good laugh of that. <laughs> no, no, not your own. Someone you hate. I go, I get drunk, I hang out by the cake, and go, yeah, I fucked her. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, who's the best stand-up comedy comedian today? And or you can go into history if you want.
3: It's controversial, but uh, I saw him a few weeks ago. Uh, still got it. It's Louis C.K. Yeah. Mm. Ouch, man. i wouldn't no i wouldn't send like my my sister in a room with him (laughs) so i'd say that but he's still got it man i saw him at the improv i saw him up in new york when i was up there and uh he's he's still doing it yeah
2: gotcha
0: yeah who's your favorite oh man there's so many uh comics that i love i'll just rattle off a few i love i do love louis i know it's not um kosher but uh yeah john mulaney he's amazing um tig Notaro, judy gold jessica Kirsten, bonnie mcfarlane um carmen lynch rachel feinstein naming a lot of ladies mm. um I, I love a lot of these like new york comics that are in that kind of uh i don't know if like middle-aged age range of the the women that i looked up to so i think of think of them so i'll i'll just go with bonnie mcfarlane for now she's an amazing writer an amazing comic and i'll just throw a chick in there she's great
4: um well i don't know anybody new because i (laughs) I don't watch stand-up comedy i can't fucking stand it Uh, (laughs) honestly i don't know anybody who's new i stopped watching it for enjoyment years ago um but to me the the probably the two best and Norm McDonald's probably really probably one of the best, Um, but growing up, when I first got into it, it was it was Hicks and Kinnison, yeah, Um, and mostly I'm more toward Kinnison only because I came up through the that uh, conservative fundamental Christian thing that he did, and so I got it what he was doing, and uh, so yeah, Kinnison to me. Probably one of the the just pure funny people.
2: Yeah, I mean, talk about shock and surprise. He he yelled, mm-hmm. and it was just great. Yeah, I mean, well, that know, was what you-, you were saying about fuck he did with yelling. You mm-hmm. know, in terms, and
1: of- he's arguably the only comic I've ever seen who is funny when he's yelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most com- you can't yell most punchlines because it it just yeah it's it just doesn't work. Sam could do it, and in part because that was such a great yell, such a great scream that just yeah. the quality of the scream was so wonderful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's the only person I've ever seen that most comics when they yell the punchline or yell a bit it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Which means nothing other than it doesn't work for me.
2: Yeah. So who's your favorite?
1: I tell people uh cuz I'm not as hip about the newer comics like rob but i tell people i'm not hip about it, i'm <laughs> telling you i don't know any of them uh i say uh doing comedy uh keeps me young watching it's about to fucking kill me um, <laughs> 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 um i love bill burr yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mulaney's okay and i really don't watch i mean I, here's my bad habit i'll hear about a comic and i'll go okay let's check this out on youtube and this is just this is completely wrong approach. It's entirely on me. I acknowledge it. But if you don't nail me in the first 12 seconds, yeah, I'm gone. You just got to mm-hmm. get me. I don't have the patience to listen to somebody meander up to their, through their first bit, which is I'm depriving myself of a lot of good comics. I know, but I just can't, I can't, I can't enjoy just, it. I, I, can't I don't,
4: I do not I don't enjoy watching. I like watching my friends and I like hearing yeah. if there's a new bit or somebody is like, but just to sit that you, you want me to watch an hour long ne- Fuck you. Yeah. I am not going to watch a Netflix special for an hour. Th- I don't
3: think um, fans want to do that either. I think we're seeing that people want to watch things in yeah. 30 second clips, 60 yeah. second clips. That's just the way the world is.
0: Right? I honestly just can't enjoy it as much anymore because, uh, and I'm ashamed to admit this, it's not, I'm a bad person, but I, yeah. I just get jealous now. I, I well, There's, that, there's I, a
4: great line yeah. that Hemingway had when someone asked him, and I take it for comedy, said, hey, would you like to, re- would you read my book? And let me know your thoughts. And he goes, I'll tell you my thoughts right now. I fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what, what? You haven't even read it? It's like, I don't have to. One, it'll be bad writing and therefore I will hate it. Or two, it'll be very good and I didn't think yeah. of it and so I'll be jealous. Yeah. So I, and I'm the same way. I'm like, I
0: can't
1: get around this. I hate
0: to admit it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Richard Pryor's the
1: best I've ever seen. Uh, but presently, uh, I guess probably Bill Burr. For some Bill Burr, I can hang in there with mm-hmm. for for a while. He he thinks funny, but he does great as we call him act out, uh, uh, and uh, his attitude mm-hmm. is wonderful. So I like I like Bill Burr a lot. Mulaney's okay. I'm trying. There, there must be somebody else. I've seen. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be. Yeah. And I, I'm like Rob. I love my friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll come into the room when uh, Rob's on stage. When Bob staff's on stage i'm yeah. in the room. I, I'll leave when Bob's on stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and many yeah. others, but <laughs> I just follow the crowd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like watching I like watching uh I like watching my friends. Yeah. Riley especially Barber. Uh, you remember oh, Riley talking oh, to yeah. Riley was as funny as anybody I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yeah. His Tennessee Williams impersonation oh, yeah. was We used was, to uh
1: we used to do a bit. Riley and I were a comedy team for a while, but it was Tennessee Williams is the analysis at an NBA all-star game. And (laughs) and I was the play-by-play guy and Riley would Mm -hmm. do the, uh, the color and him going on and on about this particular athlete or that particular athlete is, uh, Tennessee Williams was hysterical.
2: It was, it was funny, but part of the real genius of that bit is he would take a drag on the cigarette and the ash would just get longer and longer. It's yeah. just the anxiety I would feel watching yeah. you guys do that yeah. if the ash was going to fall or not was always. Rodney was great.
4: I'll tell you the worst I ever saw. Ah, that Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. yeah. Garb, <laughs> I had to open for him. Oh, really? Where? At the lap
1: stop. Oh, where really? did he play the last.
4: Oh, God, yes. Yeah. This was, this was nine, 2000?
3: Oh, okay. So, was, and okay. he still thought it was 1988. Before he was dice, though?
4: Or? No, it was 2000. Uh, oh, he was, he,
3: oh he, after. I'm sorry. Yeah, he still
4: thought it was 1988. So like, this is like post-Ford Fairland like, collapse. Yeah. Fucking worst week of my life. Not even close.
1: How did you do with his crowd?
4: I did, okay, well, the first night, his plane is late. And so, Babbitt goes, hey, man, the plane's late. You have to go up there and stretch.
5: Yeah.
4: And I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to do 15. He's going to do an hour and whatever. I get to... 20 i'm looking over there i did 45 minutes open and finally the
1: crowd get impatient
4: about 20 20 (laughs) minutes in yeah they're like okay what the fuck is going on here and so this piece of shit it's two things one this is when you could still smoke in bars all right he put up signs at saying i don't want any smoking in in the club no smoking, and he's the fucking standardized clay He goes, I don't want any smoking in the club. So they put all these signs, take up all the ashtrays. That's the first thing. Second is I want a police escort to walk me to the stage. Because he's got this fucking thing about I've just got to be a badass. So they hire two tire two real constables to walk his fat fucking ass up there. (laughs) And so he gets up there, and I'm late. You know, it's you know, I've been up there 45 minutes. Yeah. And I pass him in the hall and he goes. Yeah, he goes. Uh, how are they? And I went. They're fucking waiting on you, man. Yeah. And so he gets up there with his fucking entourage, and then he immediately can't smoke, immediately takes out a cigarette yeah. and goes, "What's all these signs? Nobody tells me what I can't fucking do." <laughs> and I'm like, "You fuck, you went to all that shit
1: for a for a fucking
4: yeah. twenty second yeah. bullshit line." Yeah. And then he goes, "Hey, that fucking Mongol guy." Couldn't you get him off stage? I've been waiting for 30 minutes.
5: And I went, you
4: fucking cocksucker. You miserable fucking cocksucker. And then he comes and he pulls the same shit the next night. He's late. Oh, limo's late. You got to go long. I'm like, I'm not going long. That fucker, he was fucking with me. No, you got to do, do, do like 25. Is this Babbitt telling you this? is Babbitt. He goes, goes, I know he was being a dick, but it's just all in fun. I was like, no, he was being a dick, Mm -hmm. him and his fucking cops. And then I tried to get an autograph for my girlfriend at the time, and he goes, "Oh yeah, look at this fucking you're fucking this whore." Oh man, how much you paying her? I'm like, you yeah. fucking, fucking yeah. Jewish, not Italian. Yeah, Italian fuck. Yeah. Oh, worst that worst week ever.
1: Gosh, yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll- I've had a ever had a bad week with a b- because of the comic. I've had bad weeks. God knows I've had bad weeks. I don't think anybody's ever, uh, of course, and co- I've and never worked with Clay. So.
4: Conversely, Lewis Black, best week I've ever had. Yeah. Not right. even yeah. best. Oh, he's hysterical. Yeah. The, the nicest, most generous, yeah. open-hearted fella. Yeah. He wanted me to drive him around the city because he wanted to see what the, he likes to see whatever city he's in. So I took him out to the monument. Mm-hmm. And I was the one driving him when we found the Starbucks across the street from the Starbucks. Oh, that, that is he, such a great that he bit. did on Conan. I guess yeah. The next week, yeah. He was like, "Are you, are you fucking? There's a Starbucks across the street from a fucking Starbucks. I'm, like, ah, I'm gonna explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes, yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I never noticed it, but yeah, it is. West Gray and Shepard. Yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. three. yeah, yeah. And now the he, bookstore has yeah one Barnes and, and yeah. Noble. He gives me hope, man, because he started. I'm, I started when I was 35. And he, started he started when he was 40s, 40s, something, right? Yeah,
4: late 40s. Because he was a playwright, and he would talk about. The, he goes, "Yeah, I was a playwright, and just did this." for fun and at the end of the week tipped every wait staff every bartender 100 bucks yeah went around he stayed the next he came in early to watch the open mic stayed late the next week to watch it again yeah the next monday and went up and did 30 minutes ah. just at the open mic and nicest guy friendliest fellow
1: most of the headliners i've worked with like have been uh real nice mm-hmm. real nice john witherspoon christopher titus uh, Brian Reagan. Uh, they're, they're, most of them are, are pretty nice. A couple of uh mm-hmm. In fact, I can't think of anybody that was like a. And that's always the. Oh, some, Rob, Rob Schneider was. But then Rob <laughs> Schneider kind of made up for it, too. <laughs> I, I tend to pace. So I'm in the small green room at the improv, and I'm pacing, and he's sitting, and this is the first night. And he said, he, he busted me, calm down. You're you going to do this all night? Okay. So I stepped outside. Uh, to pace. But then before the show he he came up to me and went, uh, uh, you'll be okay. This is gonna be a good show. You'll have a good week. So he, <laughs> he he knew he had been kind of a uh, an asshole, but then he made up for it mm. uh, later or tried to make up for it, which he did make up for it. That's that's
2: We're, always the surprising thing that I tell folks because you know Tishon introducing me to all the comedians, doing the brooch gala and getting to hey, I got to open for Dennis Miller, David Carvey, mm-hmm. all these uh all these folks spending time with all them. comedians are the nicest, sweetest, kindest folks hmm. on the planet. They yeah. really are. I mean, are
1: empathetic, which goes a long way right. to, okay. making you, you know, agreeable to I mean, other Jeff, human being.
2: Jeff Ross, the roastmaster general, mm-hmm. not a nicer guy on the planet. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah.
3: Seriously. yeah it, it, there's, we've had this sort of fraternity. We're all in this together, unless they're like, mm. they play a character and then they're not in the fraternity. They're just playing a character. Yeah. In it's fraternity. almost kind of, yeah. yeah. But for the most part, if anybody's showing up like like Jamie talked about you're writing stand up and you're writing it for yourself we're we're all in that together, and mm-hmm. it's just you know we, that, that's something that that's the common bond that we have we, we, I don't, for the most part, we don't treat others poorly except well, for, unless, except for your local scene that's different yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this might be different but
1: well, you know the first fifteen, 15, 20, 30 years of your life, you kind of feel like you're an outcast because you're in society right so when you get around people who are like you know jeez. I went out to uh, Los Angeles in late 77. First time I've ever been around comics or people who whose whole point of uh, getting up in the morning is to think funny. Never been around people like that. Oh, gosh, what a joy it was. Even though I wasn't on their level, of course, I'm like maybe four months into mm-hmm. the business at that point. But uh, they were all so friendly. Uh, you know, it, Letterman and Leno and, and Steve Landisberg and... Elaine, but they were all just uh, friendly because you're one of them. Even though you're not at their level, Mm -hmm. you're part of the crew. So it's, uh, oh, what a relief that was. What a joy that was to be amongst those folks. You know, I was born 1950. I went out to uh, (coughs) California in 78. That was the first time I was ever around women who wanted to be funny as a thing. You know, growing up in the 50s and 60s, women it, it being funny is kind of an aggressive uh, uh behavior trying to make people women didn't do that in the 50s and 60s and they they were funny but i never knew a woman who Wait, are you telling was, me the amazing miss mazel is bullshit? You, <laughs> yeah. i've I have seen maybe to, what, one or two episodes you know like, i suspect it's probably <laughs> <not>. <laughs> but um yeah i i wasn't around women who who would go for the laugh in a, in, in a group conversation. You just mm-hmm. didn't do that. If you had a woman with four other guys and everybody's talking, the lady wasn't going to go for the laugh. Now, I assume that among three other lady friends, when they're sitting around, there's a lot of mm-hmm. joking going on because women are funny. But they just that's the first time I was ever around women that. Uh, for whom being funny was important. Hmm.
2: Interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, God, well, I can't
1: get rid of them all. That- <laughs> 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 they're yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like three, they're like show. three Kendrick, of us right. in the Houston comedy scene. <laughs> it's like, it's still a boys club for sure. Yeah. It's a good time.
2: So you guys are great to come on. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun for me cause you know, frustrated, would love to, mm-hmm. to be a stand-up comedian when I got fired. Um, April of, of 2020, literally the first thing I did was, okay, I'm going to do open mic night. I think mm. I even reached out to Jeremy Yeah, yeah.
5: And,
2: and I know I reached out to you, Andy, and said, okay, where's an open mic night? And, uh, I started writing a a routine and it just sucks so bad. I haven't that, done it yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, it was just hasn't stopped a lot of people. So yeah, there we yeah, go. Give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Fair enough. So give us the plug. Tell us about uh, tell us about the room. When should people show up? Yeah. What's the drill?
3: For sure. So the room is called, it's the Riot, and you can find the website, the Riot HTX, or any of the social media. It's the Riot HTX. And uh, there you can find tickets and information to all of our upcoming shows. Thursdays and Sundays, we do local showcases, uh, themed showcases often. Big know, fucks. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. we do pig fucks with all the local (laughs) talent. And And then Friday, Saturday, usually we're flying in people from L.A., New York, people with TV credits, and we're doing these headliner shows, Uh, and I get to host and perform on all those, and it's just a great experience. In fact, next Thursday, because I can do this, and there's comics out there that'll hate me for it, but I'm headlining that show. It's the first time I've ever headlined, Rob. Mm. I'll probably do 25, 30 minutes, and uh, we'll see how that goes, right? uh, And I got all my friends coming out, so I I really can't lose in that situation. Um, but, but what we're about is, uh, bringing up the next generation of comics in Houston, uh, we're about to lose a bunch of talents in New York and LA people we work with. And so, you know, we're scrambling to bring the next people up and that's important to us as, as much as it is bringing in these out of town headliners. That
2: So plug the podcast one last time. Yeah. And then the
3: podcast is uh closely associated with the show. It's called breaking down bits. The guy drew Jordan, who I run that show with is also the co-host of breaking down bits and. We interview comics from mostly from la and new york that are that are doing it and just talk about comedy nerd out on everything we're doing here andy and by the way andy was our first guest back in july episode one was andy huggins nice yeah nice all right jamie where can we come see you
0: uh yeah it's gonna be simple and fast just just follow me on instagram i'm terrible at marketing myself but trying to get better (laughs) at it um i hate posting about myself but working on it you guys at the jamie rowan t-h-e-j-a-m-i-e-r-o-w-a-n at the jamie rowan i post about my showcase shows so just follow me and you can come to shows that way
2: as a narcissistic who went on twitter it gets really easy Uh, trust me you'll be fine
0: i i feel like there are women who just like you know put on a swimsuit, and like, you know, sit on a cake, and they have 8 million followers, um, and I just will never be that woman. But it's still a good follow. Please, the Jamie Rowan, T-H-E-J-A-M-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.
2: Got it. Rob, when are you performing next?
4: I'll be in Beaumont next Thursday, and then Chicago in October. So Don't worry, about it. You'll never find any of them. Yes, sir.
2: The, uh, so
4: I spoke earlier today at lunch at mm-hmm. the
2: Lafayette, Louisiana Ooh. Geologic Society, and uh, wow. made my way through Beaumont today. Wow. Had a discussion with Officer Stevenson, and she did not appreciate 94 miles per hour in Probably, a seventy. Yeah, zone. They, they frown on that. Yeah, they did frown Yeah. What,
4: what club are you playing in
2: Beaumont? I don't know, it's a, it's
4: a club, I had it's, no it's, idea. It's a, it's a
2: club in Beaumont.
4: When I get the email, I'll pass it on. I don't, Again, I don't remember perfect. the name of it. Yeah.
1: Perfect. And my, I've been here since 1981, I don't know how many different rooms I've played in. Beaumont said, "Oh my god, fifty rooms." Oh, easy, 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 easy. All yeah. of them garbage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, there was slaves, one. There, yeah,
4: slave room. That and the, the GKS. Old yeah, GKS that's, was those, fun. Those were good yeah. rooms. Yeah,
1: those were, were good rooms. I am at my bar on the. Where? where hmm. Where's the, that's north of it, right? I think it's out west. Huh? It's out west. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm at my bar. What? What city is that near? What should I say? i don't know katie? think it's out past
4: katie i think yeah that way oh, okay
1: yeah. um then saturday i'm at hop scholar up near the 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 spring area i'm doing a sh- one of the riot shows the uh ogs uh the ogs of Houston week? comedy yeah that's exciting next, next so thursday when is that we'll, so we'll drop this
2: next wednesday perfect so
3: so thursday night uh that's that's a this you might want to come to this uh I've got Rob, did the first one, the OGs mm-hmm. of Houston Comedy. And we just bring together people who have been in the city, came up in the city 20 years or more. So I've got Aldi Freeman, I've got Andy Huggins, Kristen Jimmy, Lindner, Jim Holder, uh, Jim Holder, uh, yeah, and Kristen. Who am I forgetting? One more. Mm. Oh, uh, Brian Hertzey. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah good. So that's good, the next Brian. one. So
2: that's the 30th, uh,
1: September yes, 30th. 30th. Yeah. Yep.
2: Okay, so this will drop the 29th. Yeah.
1: Perfect.
3: Then my headliner shows immediately after that show,
1: yeah, and Rudyard Terry. I met Rudyard Terry Monday, of course, and uh. Let's see, it just seems to me I'll be in Beaumont tomorrow then. This <laughs> comes yeah. next week. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the immediate uh calendar.
2: Well, guys, this is great. I really appreciate you fun. guys coming on. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much.
2: Absolutely. You should aspire to more, but
0: yeah. <laughs>